distractions, distractions, distractions. So many distractions. So many things that draw your attention, that draw you away from me, says the Lord. Focus. Focus. Focus, says the Lord. Focus upon me, for in me you find the victory. Focus. Focus upon me, for in me you find the hope. Hear the world and be led astray. Look to the things around you and allow them to draw your attention and you lose your focus. Focus, says the Lord, focus upon me. For in me you find the victory. In me you find hope where there is no hope. In me there's a way when there appears to be no way. Focus, focus, says the Lord. Focus upon me. For in me you find abundant life. In me you find total victory. Look to me, look to me. Look to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that through Christ Jesus, we can do all things. We can overcome the, the difficulties that are round about us try to pull us, pull us down and hold us back. Father, we refocus today and we set aside all those distractions and we look to you. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the hope of the world. We look to you alone and we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that in all things, we can put our trust and confidence in you and you will never forsake us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. You know, if... Uh, On Wednesday night, we've been studying Galatians, and one of the key points in the book of Galatians is that we have a covenant with God. And the covenant that we have with God is based upon promise. It's not based upon something that we do, something that we accomplish. But he's given us his word. He's given us a promise. And uh, so this morning, I want to talk to you about entering, entering into the land of promise. And you know, as we go through the scriptures, we, we see in the scriptures, we see types and, and shadows. And... Uh, I believe that when we, we look at the children of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt, there's something there for us to glean from because it's a, it's a type for us today. And um, so if you've got your Bibles, if not, it'll be up on the board, but 
turning your Bibles to book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus. We're going to read the 8th verse, and I'm going to drop down to the 17th verse, and it says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. So he said, so he said I've come to deliver you, to take you out of the hands of the Egyptians. You know, in, in Egypt was a place of bondage. It's a type of bondage that we can have in our own lives. And God's come to deliver us, to take us out of that place of bondage. But notice he didn't just simply come to take them out of Egypt. He came to take them in, into a land that flows with milk and honey. The land that flows with milk and honey, <clears throat> I know many teachers have taught that to represent heaven, but it's not heaven. Because I don't know about you, when I go to heaven, there's not gonna be any battles, there's not gonna be any enemies, there's not gonna be any fights. The land that flows with milk and honey is for us the abundant life. The life that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he said, I didn't just simply come to take you out of Egypt, but I want to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. And then we drop down to the 17th verse. And he says, and I've said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. You know, affliction here doesn't necessarily mean sickness and disease. I think oftentimes in our time, often when you hear the word affliction, you immediately think of sickness and disease. But affliction in the scripture is, is talking about any form of bondage, anything that comes against your life. And he says that I have <clears throat> said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to a land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, to a land that flows with milk and honey. And there once again we see that he doesn't want to just simply take them out of Egypt, but wants to take them in. You know, God doesn't want to just take you out. He wants to take you into something. You know, oftentimes we come out of the world. We get born again, we come out of the world. But it's like, at that point, then we're, we're in limbo. We don't fit in anywhere. And the reason that we don't fit in is because we haven't gone in. We stay on the fringe, we stay on the outskirts. We don't enter into what God has really made, us avail made available to us. He didn't just take us out of the world, but he wants to take us in to the land that flows with milk and honey. He wants to take us into that abundant life. 
we go to Exodus, the 13th chapter, Exodus, the 13th chapter, I'm just going to look at one verse there in the fifth verse. And it says, and it shall be, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep his service to this month. Anyway, notice once again, he says that it's a promise to the fathers. He says, I'm going to be true to the promise to bring you out of the land of affliction, to bring you out of the land of bondage, to take you into that which has been promised to you, a land that flows with milk and honey. There's a promise that's been made to you and I. Yes, through the born again experience, we came out of the world. We died to the world. It has no control. It has no dominion over us any longer. We've been taken out of that place of affliction. But oftentimes, because we don't pay attention to the promise, or we don't even know what the promise is because we haven't taken time to find out, the affliction still has access to our life. You know, we're going to see it in, in just a moment, but you're all familiar with the story. How the children of Israel, how they did not go into the land of promise, and so as a result of that, they wandered around in a, in a wilderness for 40 years. And you know, as Christians, oftentimes what we're doing is we're wandering around in the wilderness. The abundant life is available to us. The land of promise, it belongs to us because it's been promised to us. But what do we do? We wander around in the wilderness because we refuse to accept, we refuse to believe that what God said he would do, he would do. Oh, we, we <laughs> don't misunderstand me. We don't want everyone to admit that. But I believe God. Well, if we believe God, then why don't we act upon it? Then why don't we take a stand upon his word rather than allowing everything around us to dictate what our life is going to be? And so he says, I swore to your fathers. And so it was a promise. It was a promise you're going to enter into a land that flows with milk and honey. Or in other words, you're going to enter into a land of abundance. A land that's going to have more than enough. That's the promise that was made. It was swore to the fathers. And let's look, go over to Numbers, the 13th chapter. And again, I know that none of this is new to you. You've heard all of this. But you know, Peter said, my responsibility is to remind you of these things. And so that's my responsibility to remind you of these things because what happens is we forget about it. You know, people today are always looking for something new. But you know, the problem is, is if we don't review what we already have, we lose it. 
we lose sight of it. We go off into something new and we don't add it to what we already have. We're trying to operate in something that if you don't have the foundation and the base there already, then we wonder why it isn't working. It isn't working because we've left that, that first truth, that first, those first principles. Numbers, the 13th chapter, the first verse, and it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I have given. Did you hear that? Which I have given to the children of Israel. Go and spy out the land. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says, that when we do something, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and when you make a decision that you're going to live your life for Christ, the Bible says we're supposed to count the cost. Because every one of those things costs you something. Actually, it doesn't. But in our eyes, it looks as if it costs us something. Because when we, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we take a step out of the world and we take a step into the kingdom of God. And it costs us something. You know, sometimes it costs us old relationships. We had family in our lives that thought we lost our salvation because we received Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I told you last week, we, in the eyes of many, we committed the two unpardonable sins. Well, I committed the three unpardonable sins. You know, first we left the denomination that we grew up in. Second, we left the political party we grew up in. And thirdly, I'm, I left Minnesota. <laughs> you know, but there's, there's, a, there's a coming out. And so when you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a, there's a coming out if... If you didn't have to forsake anything, were you born again? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's a truth. We, we had to come out of the world. And so he said, I send men to spy out the land. And so there's a, there's a, there's a checking it out. To spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to you. In other words, they're not going to spy it out to see if they're able to conquer, to see if they're able to overcome. You know what? You don't have to compare what Jesus gave you and what the world has to offer. You just have to choose what Jesus has already given you. Amen. Let me start over. And Moses spoke, and, G, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. For every tribe of their fathers shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. And so there was one from every tribe that went out. And what did they go to do? They went to spy out the land. And what did they go to spy out the land for? To see 
if it wasn't exactly what the Lord had promised to them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you remember, they went in and they spied out the land. And when they came back after spying out the land, it was, it was just what the Lord had promised. They brought back a bundle of grapes and they had to carry it on two sticks between two of them. I don't know about you, I've never seen a bundle of grapes like that. But they brought back the produce of the land and, and they said, it truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. Let's drop down a little bit to verse 27 in the same chapter. And they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us and truly, it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. I mean, they, they showed the fruit from the land. Nevertheless, ooh, you gotta watch those neverthelessers. Oh, I know the word of God is true, but nevertheless. Well, we're not neverthelessers. We just have a lot of buts in our life. I know God says that, but that's what the nevertheless is. It's a but. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw de descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. Dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the banks of the Jordan. And so they're saying, see, there's, there's all of this stuff in the land. The enemy is great. And so <clears throat> I know God said, what did we talk about last week? How big is God? Do you know what the butts do? The butts make God small. The word of God says, by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. But, cancer. You know, we hear that word and what happens? We immediately panic because cancer's too big. Cancer's too big for God. Now, if we're talking about a head cold, that's something. But we're talking about cancer, heart disease, or something else. All at once, it gets really big. But you know what? God didn't put any stipulations on it. He said, by the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed. And see, we say we'd never be like the children of Israel. We would go into the land. We wouldn't question what God says. But how often do we say that? How often do we question him? We read it this morning. I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And we look around and we see people that we apply, that applies to. But then when it comes back to ourselves, all at once, our circumstances are different. We're an exception to the rule. My problems are bigger. Well, your problems are not bigger than God. God is able to handle it if we'll focus upon him and if we'll look to him and realize he's done it all. 
But then we drop down to the 33rd verse. I'm skipping around for the sake of time. Just encourage you to go back and read it all in context. In verse 33, it says, There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers, notice this, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Notice where it began. The small thinking begins with you. The, the small thinking begins with me. And because of small thinking, the impression that I leave has an effect upon those around me. And so if, if I go through life and I, I make excuses for everything that's going on, what's happening is I'm looking small. I feel like a grasshopper in comparison to the circumstances in my life which appear to be giants. And as a result of that, it not only affects me, but affects those, their view of me, those around me. They move by what they saw rather than by believing in what God had promised them. Because remember, he said, the promise to your fathers. And so because it was to their fathers, it belonged to them. It was, it was their inheritance. And so this, this land of promise, this abundant life, belongs to each and every one of us, but we need to enter into it. In <clears throat> Revelation, the third chapter, there's 20, in the 20th verse, there's a verse, we, don't, we just don't look at it a whole lot. But it says in Revelations 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now what's this saying? It's saying that God wants in our life. But it's also saying that he's a gentleman. That he's not going to force his way in. He says, behold, I, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking on it. And I want to come in because I have things for you. I have the abundant life available to you. But oftentimes, we won't open the door. We won't let him in. God said to the sons of Israel, come in, come into the promised land and I'll bless you because I've already given it to you. But they refused to move. He's speaking to us. Let me come in. I have blessings for you. I have abundance for you. But we won't let him in. And we think about that and we wouldn't, blatantly say, God, you can't come in. But you know what? We do it. We do it with our attitude. We, we do it with our belief system. We do it with our excuses. We do it by accepting 
that what the world has is so much bigger than anything that God could ever do in my life. But let me tell you something. We serve a big God. And he wants to do big things in our lives if we'll give him the opportunity to do so. In Numbers The 32nd chapter, and re remember, God didn't just take him out of Egypt. He wanted to take him into the land of promise. You know, it was, it was, it was a couple days journey. But you know what? They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness where the the, the, the abundant life had been available to them in just a, just a matter of days. They could have crossed over and experienced a land that flows with milk and honey, but they refused to. Even though God had given it to them, they refused to enter in because they looked at the circumstances. And so now here we are. You'd think after some 40 years, <laughs> you'd learn your lesson. And you'd be ready to enter in and, and receive what God has made available. But notice this in, in verse 32, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of God, Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazar and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. Sometimes we look at the world and it makes so much sense. It appears so good. When God made the promise to the children of Israel to enter into the promised land, he made it to all the tribes, 12 tribes. Remember when they spied out the land? He took somebody from every tribe that went into the land and spied out the land. And so the promise was to the 12. And where did the promise lie? And pro the promise lit, lied, laid, lid, laud, was in the promised land. And so here we have the tribes of Reuben, the tribes of Gad. They had, they had all kinds of livestock. And, and now, they haven't crossed yet. There's, there's, they haven't crossed the Jordan. They're still on the opposite side. And they're looking around them and they say, wow. This is good land. I mean, we've got, we've got more livestock than anybody else. And, and uh, you know, we, we cross over. There may not be enough pasture for everybody. And so this looks really, really good. This is good land. Everybody say good land. 
This is good land. And so it only makes sense. Do you hear me? It only makes sense that we would stay right where we're at and not cross over with everybody else. We know what the promise is. But you know, surely it doesn't matter for, with God because there'll be just that much more for everybody else. So let's just, let's just stay here with our livestock because after all, we have more than everybody else. It only makes sense. Let me tell you something. Be careful when you're making your decisions, especially if it's a spiritual decision because it just simply makes sense. Don't leave God out of the scenario. And that's exactly what they chose to do. They chose to leave him out. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses and Eleazar, priest, and to the leaders of the congregation. And they said, why don't we just stay here? Drop it down to verse 4. And the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servant as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. If it makes sense in your sight, Let's not go over the Jordan. You know, it's a different, it's an interesting thing about God. Everything that he has that's available to us is free. It's a gift. For by grace we've been saved through faith. And not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. And so everything is a gift. This was a gift. But the interesting thing about God is he isn't moved by need. He's moved by faith. And faith says, even though this makes sense, Father, we're going to do it your way. You know, we have examples in the Bible where people moved by what they saw. If you go back to Genesis 13th chapter, you don't have to go there. I'm just, you can read it later on, but it's talking about Abraham and Lot and how they lived in a, an abundant, in a prosperous land. And uh, uh, they, they both increased. Abraham had the blessings of God upon him and everybody around him was being blessed. And, and, and both he and Lot, his nephew, were, were, were increasing in in. In, in livestock and, and, and everything and in every way. And, and it was getting so bad that the land was so crowded that the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham were beginning to have disputes with one another. And Abraham says, let's, let's not do this. He says, we need, to, we need to separate from one another. And he says to Lot, he says, let's separate from one another Whatever direction you choose to go, 
You take it, and I'll go the other direction. Lot looks around, and he sees the, the, the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah and where all those cities and stuff was, and it was a, it was a well-watered valley, and it was a prosperous land. And Lot reasoned, hmm, livestock, sheep, good land. I think I'll, I'll take this. Abraham says, okay, whatever. Because Abraham knew something. He knew that he had the blessings of God upon him. And so whatever he did, God was going to bless him. Whatever the choice was, he was going to be blessed. Because he is operating in faith towards God. Remember, it was faith that caused Abraham to be considered or reckoned as righteous. It was because he is a man of faith. Lot was moved by what he saw. He was moved by circumstances. And so he went and took the land. Remember what eventually had to happen? Abraham had to go and defeat the enemy that had captured Lot because he had taken him and all that he had cap captive. And Lot, who chose this prosperous land, totally upon circumstances, what he could see with his eye, eventually lost everything. Why? Because he didn't operate by faith. He operated by his senses. How do we live? How do we operate? We operate by faith. Now, I believe that there's decisions that we make in our life that whatever the decision is we make, because God's blessing is upon us and he doesn't give us clear direction one way or another, it's going to be a bless. We're going to be blessed either way. But I also believe, on the other hand, there's certain things in our life that God wants to take us to a certain place and we need to be open, we need to be sensitive, we need not to be moved just simply by what we see in the physical realm. We need to allow God to rise up in our spirit because let me tell you something. There's times we're going to make decisions and to the world it'll make absolutely no sense. But you know what? In the eyes of God, it makes perfect sense. My family thought I was nuts. When at the age of 30 with four kids and a wife, we moved to Missouri. I mean, anybody, you know, anybody that moved to Missouri. But, but I mean, that, that wasn't the real issue. It was go to Bible school. The age of 30. And of course, they remembered how much I loved school when I was in school. You know, most people know this by now, but I was in the top 10 of my graduating class. Not, not top 10%. I was in the top 10 of my graduating class. Of course, there were 12 in my graduating class, but I was in the top 10. And so it didn't make any sense. It really didn't make any sense. But see, God spoke to our hearts, and we knew. And so here we are, almost 40 years later. God wants to move in your life. 
And you know what? You may see some giants around you, but let me tell you something. You're not a grasshopper. Because you've got something bigger than any problem that you could ever encounter. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to bring you through victoriously. Why did I ever read verse 1 and 2? I did. Let's drop down to verse 4. In 32, Numbers 32. The country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if, you have found, if we have found favor in your sight, let the land be given to your servant as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Don't make us go in. And so they stayed outside. Verse 33. So Moses gave to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of this king and that king and another king, and the land with the cities within the borders of the cities of the surrounding country. So they, they received it all. Looked in the natural. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've read this in the past and I thought, you know, they were blessed. They had abundance. But then it, it began to dawn on me. But they didn't enter in to the promise. You know what? You and I, we can be blessed in life. We can have abundance in life. Everything can, be a, can appear to be really hunky-dory. But have we fully entered into the promise that was made available to us? You know, the interesting thing about it is, is, is it appeared that they had abundance, but you know what? Even though they had more livestock than everybody else, even though there began to be an insecurity, there began to be an inferiority. We know that eventually all the tribes of Israel went into uh, captivity in a sense. But you know what? That, those two and a half tribes went into captivity way before the other nine and a half tribes. Why? Because they chose what they could see in the natural over the promise of God. Pastor, what does any of this have to do with any of us? I believe it has a lot to do with what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to enter into what God's made available to us. I believe that what kept two and a half tribes out of the promised land after wandering in a wilderness for 40 years is the same thing that oftentimes keeps you and I out of the abundant life, the land that flows with milk and honey. Even after we've wandered in the wilderness, it still keeps us out. And I believe that what it is, the root of it, we find in 1 John, the second chapter, and the 16th verse. 
And it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. You know, those three things keep us from entering, entering in fully what God has made available to us. The lust of the eye, the land that they were in was a beautiful land. We're livestock people. Great pastures, a perfect place for us. And so we, they looked at the circumstances and they said, this is it, what they could see. They longed for it. And so what did they do? They stayed. They en didn't enter in to what God had made available to them. Pride of life. Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, they all had birthrights. They all had birthrights, but they never entered into the birthright. Why? Because they chose to stay on this side of the Jordan. We all have birthrights because we've been born in to the family of God. But you know, as long as I stay on this side of the Jordan, as long as I stay where it's comfortable, as long as I stay where I don't have to expose myself, it's comfortable, but I don't enter into what God's truly made available to me. You know, I had a prisoner years back that is ministering to up in Rockwell City. And, and he has wanted to talk to me after the service one day and we got talking and he says, you know, it, it's, it's really difficult for me to, to enter in because I'm not sure I'm ready to become a total freak. You know, his making reference to being a Jesus freak. My thought was, well, I guess you're just ready to be a half a freak. Because everybody that saw him walk into that chapel identified him with that crazy preacher that was in there preaching that night. And you know, sometimes we're, we, we look at it from that stand, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm ready to go all the way. What, what keeps us from going all the way with Jesus? Lust of the eye. What am I going to have to give up? I like where I'm at. Pride of life. What are people going to think? I'll tell you what people are going to think. They're going to think you're a legitimate Christian. And probably what's going to happen is there's people that are going to start turning their back on you because they can't identify with where you're at because they want to stay where they're at. But let me tell you, there's another phenomenon that goes along with that. Those people that turn their back all at once when they have difficulty in their life, who do they call? 
They don't call Ghostbusters. They call you. They call you because you have something they don't have. But if you don't have something they don't have, why should they call you? And how do they know whether we have something they don't have? It's by the life that we live. You know, you're born again, you're saved, you're spirit-filled, not because of your actions, not because of anything that you do. It's because of what Jesus has done in your life. But when we begin to live it out and it becomes obvious to those around us, that's when our life becomes a living testimony. And when our life becomes a living testimony, all at once those around us, they know who to turn to. Because I can guarantee you something. Everybody in life, there will come a time they will need somebody that they can turn to. And it needs to be somebody that they can trust. They need to, be, they need to know that it's going to be somebody that's not going to judge them. And you know who can have more confidence that you're not going to judge them than anybody else is the guys that you want, used to run with the ones you used to hang out with. You know why? Because you were in the same place they were at. And so they know you know. But they see that there's a different life that's available to them. I don't want to be on the fringes. I don't want to be given this tremendous promise from God and then stay on the wrong side of the Jordan. Saints of God, it's time to enter in. God didn't call you out to leave you out. God called you out so that you could enter in. I wandered for years, not realizing what was available available to each and every one of us. We've been called to freedom. We've been called to wholeness. We've been called to the abundant life. We've been called by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been called out of that place of defeat and lack and shortage into that place of more than enough. And it's yours and it's mine through promise. Not because of effort. Not because somebody's done more than me. It's because of promise. And we need to rise up as Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. When the other ten said, it's an impossibility, we're too small, there's giants in the land. Yes, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but there's giants in the land, and they're scary. And so let's just stay here. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. The Lord has said, so let's rise up and let's take the land. This is a word for you today. The Lord has said, 
Therefore, let's rise up. Let's take possession of the land. Take possession of prosperity. Take possession of healing. Take possession of, of deliverance. Take possession of whatever the need is in your life. Take possession of it. Does that mean there won't be a fight? They had to drive out the Amalekites, the, the whole bunch. Hivites, the Jebusites. They had to drive them out. You got to drive it out. How do you do that? By entering in and declaring God says. You know what? Every one of the battles that they entered into, as long as they kept their eyes on the Lord Jesus and went in, God, he was Jesus. He just hadn't been born then yet. But as long as they kept their eyes upon the word of the Lord and listened to him, they conquered. As long as we listen to the word of the Lord and continue to move forward, what happens? We conquer. Why? Because we're more than conquerors. That means that Jesus has already done it all, but we need to go in and possess the land. We're possessors. We're no longer to be possessed. We're no longer to be beaten down. We're no longer to be defeated. We're to rise above. The children of Israel were called out of the place of affliction so that they could be led in to a land that flows with milk and honey. Oftentimes we still allow ourselves to be enslaved. It's because we keep looking back. Time to stop looking back. It's time to start looking forward. And looking forward with an expectation. With an expectation of great things. Of expectations of being used by God. Of expectations that no matter what the world says concerning our condition, God has another word on it. And his word is that in all things, we're more than conquerors. That this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in the completed works of Jesus. It's done. It's done. And it's time for us to enter in and experience the abundance that God's made available to us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we're in the land of promise? And every promise, every promise is yes and amen. Yes, it's yours. Yes, it belongs to you. Father, what about healing? Yes, it's yours. It belongs to you. Amen. So be it. What about abundance? What about prosperity? Yes. It belongs to you. Yes, amen. It belongs to you. What about deliverance? I've, I've got this area of my life that I struggle with. The scripture says this sin that so easily besets me. It's yes, amen. You're set free from it in Jesus' name. Begin to walk in it. Stop looking back. Move forward. It's yours. Hallelujah.
Glory to God. I got to quit. I don't know how. I don't know where to close her down. The victory is ours in Christ Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. So whatever issue you're dealing with in your life, right now as all of us, as we close our eyes and we lift our hands, we just begin to praise Him and worship Him and thank Him for His goodness and for His love. Begin to thank Him for your release right now in Jesus' name. If you need healing in your body, it's yours through Christ Jesus. He paid the price by His stripes you have been healed. If it's lack, that lack is no longer yours. Abundance belongs to you because Jesus became poor, that you might become rich. And so, Father, we enter in to that land that flows with milk and honey, that land of abundance, that land of more than enough. We thank you for it. Father, bondage has to fall off in Jesus' name because we've been set free through Jesus Christ. And now, Father, we just open ourselves up into that peace, that joy, that long-suffering, that goodness, all of that which belongs to you, we receive it right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we declare our lives will never be the same because of Jesus, and because of what he's imparted into our lives. And we're no longer going to focus upon the giants around about us. We're going to focus on you. And we're big because we have a big God that resides on the inside of us. Thank you for the victory. Thank you, Father, for your loving kindness. And Father, we give you praise and honor today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. And give somebody a hug and let them know you love them.